You can partake of 90% of all the fruit of every tree in the garden, but the 10% of the one tree you can't, which was the tree of what? Knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil. So the principle, that principle goes all the way back to the garden of Eden. Why is that? Because God has to have a seed from you to get a harvest to you. To understand that. God has to have something from you because He can't force you. We have a free will. So He's not going to force you to do anything. But the thing is, is we can't force Him to do anything. But when you have a covenant, then we're both obligated to do something because it's within a covenant. So it was covenant, Levitical law, then back to covenant. Okay? The Levitical law were just for the Jews only. It wasn't for the Gentiles unless you were a Gentile wanting to join the Judaistic religion. Just understand that. When God talks about we're no longer under the curse of the law, okay, well, that means the curse of the Levitical law. We're no longer under. We're no, no longer under the curses of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Hello. There's the law of the curse that comes from the Levitical law, and then there's the law of the Bible. You have to discern what, what, what is the Levitical law and the law of the Bible. God's word is law. It's His law. Okay? So when people say, well, we don't have to die because we're no longer under the law, well, we're no longer under Levitical law, but we're under covenant law because if you look in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 7, it talks about the Abrahamic covenant and it talks about Melchizedek and it talks about how Abraham, you know, took the, the plunder of all the enemies he defeated and he gave it unto Melchizedek, which is an office, which is Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. Okay, So you have to understand, if you can understand covenant Tithing and giving of offerings will not be an issue whatsoever. Because when you keep covenant, it evokes a blessing because of covenant. Amen, Pastor. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Tithes fall under this. Watch this. They're personal, predial, and mixed. Personal, when accruing profits from labor, art, trade, or navigation. Predial, when issuing forth from the earth as hay, wood, and fruit. Mixed. When accruing from beasts which are fed from the ground, okay? So we are under the new covenant, which we are actually children of Abraham. And Abraham was a Gentile. The Jewish nation didn't come until who? Isaac. Isn't that right? Is out of the out of Isaac the Jewish people came. But Abraham, or Abram, he was a Gentile. Okay? And it, and also Abraham tithed. So if Abraham, our father, tithed, should not the children of Abraham follow the example? The answer is yes. But this is a huge controversial thing in the body of Christ. But here's the deal. The, the body of Christ is really hurting financially and hurting in a lot of areas of their lives. And what is it? They're just not keeping covenant. If they would understand what it's all about and how God has established it. And God can't change His Word because heaven and earth will pass away, but His words will never pass away. So if we just keep covenant with God, then God keeps covenant with us. If we break covenant, is God obligated to keep covenant with us? Yeah. No, He's not obligated to keep covenant with us because he's, He never leaves the covenant. We do. And but now, what do you do? How do you get back in covenant with God? Just repent. Ask God to forgive you and get back in covenant. You don't have to pay back tithes. That was under biblical law. Hello, we're not under biblical law. So what do you do? You just repent. Ask God to forgive you. Okay, and, and then you just start doing it. Amen. So you have to understand that anything and everything that we do is a work of faith. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
So diligently seeking God comes rewards. I've sought God all day today, worshiping God all day today, praising God. That's how you see God. You're talking to God all day today. As you're going about your day, as you're going about working, your, your mind and your thoughts are on Him. You're thinking about Him. That is meditating on God. Or God points a scripture out to you in the Word of God in your, your devotion time. And you meditate on that scripture. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the Lamb. Okay, so there's a double whammy there. Willing but not obedient, obedient, but not willing. No, you've got to be willing and obedient. Okay, so, okay, Lord, well, get my heart right. I need to get my heart right on this. Okay? God loves a joyful, hilarious, happy, prompt-to-do-it giver who finds joy in his giving. He doesn't like someone who grudgingly does something. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. So if, there's a, if you're having a hard time with... There's not a one of us that when we get paid either on the 1st or the 15th that we're thinking in my mind, I got bills to pay, I got this to pay, I got this to pay. Well, maybe I'll just hold back the tithe and I'll just give it the next time. How's that work sometimes? I mean, always something comes up with a two-week period. There goes your tithe. You know, I had somebody today, they're going to another church. And so I asked him, he's telling me all this kind of stuff. He's having some issues. And I said, are you a tither? And he said, well, I haven't paid my tithes in a couple of weeks, but I got it saved up. And I was like, you better get that into the ground. You better get that in the ground. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. The work of faith is to believe. John six twenty nine says this. This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. So anything and everything that we do takes faith. Faith is simply belief, that you're believing God. We know this, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Hello, if you don't work, you don't eat. You don't work, you don't eat. Now, working is this. You might have a job, why don't you come down to the church and pull weeds? You're working. Put your hand to something. Do something. Sow some good seed. So that when you're in the time of need, you'll have a harvest. Can you say Amen. Um, Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 says, Poverty comes upon them that are lazy. I mean, you can't even put the dish to your mouth. Some people are just so lazy. All right. We understand that coming out of poverty, in order to get to the level of provision, you must use faith. It's important to use faith in anything and everything that you do. And sometimes God will just prompt you and say, believe me for this, believe me for this. I remember, this is really interesting, um, we were doing a revival up in um, North Carolina, and the pastor had a Mercedes Benz. So he said to me, he said, Brother Jack, you want to drive the Mercedes all week long? I said, okay, <laughs> if you insist. <laughs> so I'm driving, and my son Josh was with me, and, and every... Um, we were there for, I think, an entire week of revival. So every time we got in the Mercedes, cranked it up, and we're driving through the mountains and all that kind of stuff with the windows down, and it's nice and cool and the breezy. And, and I was like, man, I really like this. Now, at that time, we had an, uh, an Acura MDX that we put 260,000 miles on that car. And we went through two transmissions in that car. So now the second transmissions, now it's starting to act up. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm not putting any more money in this. So it was still at the house and all that kind of stuff. And I'm driving the Mercedes and I heard the still small voice of God. Would you like to drive one of these? And I was like, yeah, this would be all right. And that's all I thought. Yeah, yeah this would be cool. I'd like to drive one of these. So when we got back from the revival, um, my father-in-law and mother-in-law 
just got a Mercedes Benz. They just leased a Mercedes Benz, and they were leasing it for like $325 a month or something, $400 a month. $400 a month for three years. All the oil changes, all the maintenance. I think they got like, what, 13,000 miles per year or 14,000 miles per year? Do you remember? 12,500 miles per year. Yeah, you gotta check with the, you gotta check with the C personalities. Yeah, that's what that is. You know all the details. Yeah, I mean I I know I'm not the only husband that does that. Hey, babe, get me right because I don't want to be evangelistically speaking, right? So, so I thought. She, and so she called a couple of times and said, "Why don't you go? They're running a special. Why don't you go down? Why don't you go down? Why don't you? Ah, nah, I don't know if we'd be able to afford that and all that kind of stuff." And then all of a sudden, my mother-in-law said to me on the phone, "Go down and test drive a Mercedes." I was like, "Yes, ma'am." So we scheduled a time, and we went down, and we walked to the dealership, and we test drove a, a car, and then we test drove an SUV, one of the smaller SUVs, and we really liked the smaller SUV. So we sat down and said, hey, what can you do for us? And they said, well, you, we, could, we, we're, we could probably give you $2,000 for your MDX went down. I'm like, well, okay, that'd be nice. I'd like to get rid of this thing. And, um, and then they said, we, we can charge you $335, 300 Three seventy nine a month, and all of a sudden he said, "What would you like?" And I said, "Could I have that blue, that silver one on the showroom floor?" And he said, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" It was the most easiest thing. So for three years we drove a brand new Mercedes for three hundred and seventy nine dollars a month, and they took care of all the oil changes. They'd come and pick it up and go and wash it, and then bring it back. I mean, come on, can't beat that for three. And not only that, they gave us. What did they give us per miles? Oh, I know it was up 15,000 miles per year. 17,000 miles per year. Wow. Because all of a sudden it just had that little, little still small voice. Would you like to drive one of these? Absolutely. Hello. Why? Yeah, I mean, $379 a month. I don't think that's too bad. I mean, I mean, how many would agree to drive a brand new Mercedes Benz? I think that's pretty good. And then we decided to do it one more year. And then after that, um, Pastor Marie got the, the Lincoln. And we're buying the Lincoln. So that's, how, that's what God will do for you. you. can't tell me. Listen, if Satan, come on, if Satan. If, in other words, if it wasn't like you're supposed to be prosperous, then Satan would be the best giver instead of a thief. Right? Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. Yeah, if, if, if God didn't want you to have prosperity, Satan would be the best giver and not a thief. John 10.10 10 says, A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Can you say amen? Amen. Most of the time, we don't have a financial problem. We have a wisdom problem. That's the issue. It's wisdom. You know, I have a, I have a security agency. And I pay my, my guys a lot of money. They, they do. I mean, we train them correct. The issue is this. I have to meet their taxes, their FICA, their medical. I have to pay workers' comp. I am forced by the state of Florida. Because if you have four or more employees, they force you to get workers' comp. Then when you go to the market for workers' comp, and in the industry that I'm in, insurance companies don't want to give you workers' comp, so the state of Florida forces them to take your business, but you're paying a much higher premium. Not only that, I have $2 million worth of liability insurance on top of that. 
So I, I, and not only that, they want me to collect a sales tax for a service. And I have to pay that. I'm responsible for paying in the sales tax for those that are nonprofits. And it's a lot of money. I went to the Lord. I said, I now understand why small businesses, people, I mean, people will come, yeah. Because I'm thinking to myself, and I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, this ain't right. <laughs> I did. I went out. I said, Lord, this ain't right. I know you said, render to Caesar what is Caesar and what is God's God. I said, but this is not right. So, Lord, this is what I want. Because I feel like I'm being stolen from. So I said, so I said to the Lord, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll wait till it comes through. But this is, this is what I want. This is what I want. Which means there has to be an increase of business to get what I want. Come on, hello, somebody, to compensate for what the government is taking. I, how, in the, how in the world do they have permission to take out of the business to equal what the employees are paying? Because here's the deal. I'm an employee, too. And guess what? I'm paying the FICA tax on that. So not only am I doing it, the business is doing it. Hello? And then it's coming out of it. Who, who came up with that? We'll vote them out. This no coming to them, right? <laughs> we'll go to the poll, baby. Go to the polls. Yeah. It's got to be conspiracy. It's got to be. So God wants you prosperous. That's the whole thing. I believe as Christians, when we are prosperous in every area of your life, it's a better witness for the world. Because the world is wanting to be prosperous. I mean, they, they, they figure out if they have the most toys, if they have the biggest bank account, then there you go. And so the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that money answers all things. Okay? So God wants you prosperous more than anything. Money is a threaded theme that goes from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Lainey. She's my three-year-old. Zustan. It's a, it's a theme that goes through. Like blood is a theme that goes from Genesis to Revelation. Okay? Tithe, get this. Tithing was instituted 430 years before the law of Moses. 430 years. It was instituted under the same covenant we have now, and that is the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant of grace. And Christ's fulfillment of the law and establishment of the new covenant, which includes the Abrahamic covenant. So before Levitical law, for the Jew, and anyone who wanted to be a part of the Judaistic religion was instituted, tithing is a covenant issue, not a law issue. And a lot of Christians are saying it's a law issue, and a lot of preachers are saying it's a law issue. Statistically, less than 3% of the body of Christ tithes. Less than 3%. But they're, it, it, you can tell it, it's affecting relationship. It's affecting the families, sickness, financial troubles. Come on, hello somebody. That's what's happening in the body of Christ. Understanding that tithes and offerings goes into the storehouse. It's where you're fed spiritually. Okay? Tithes are to the church. Offerings are where you ever. I mean, whoever ministry you feel like you want to support, you can support them out of your offerings. You know, you don't necessarily have to give an offering to the church. You can if you want to or, or to a ministry. But tithes, that part goes to, to the storehouse where you are fed. Hallelujah.
In the Old Testament, when it comes to tithes and offerings, in the beginning, according to the Abrahamic covenant, it was known as first fruits. So if you study it out, um, theologians tell us first fruits, because it talks about first fruits in the Old Testament, it was actually related to the tithe. To remember that provision is made where the will of God is known. Provision is made where the will of God is known. I've seen a lot of Christians who either left their assignment early or never completed their assignment and they find themselves wanting. Then over a period of time, they're going to God and they say, I don't understand. What, why is this happening? And they'll say this, Satan is attacking me. But in reality, they left their assignment. Because God never calls you to do something without completing it. When we went to Ramah, it was, it was a two-year program. But many people, many, we know many students left after the first year. So God never calls you to do something without giving you a completion. Complete you to, to do it. And provision is made where the will of God is known. Amen. Say that again. Provision is made where the will of God is known. So if you know that the will of God in the Word is for provision for you, provision will be made. If God's assigned you to a certain place, provision will be made. Okay, Elijah. Where's my Bible? I don't have my Bible. Somebody give me a Bible. Thank you, sir. Let's go to 1 Kings. Okay, here we go. First Kings chapter 17, you'll like this. Here's, here's, the, here's the, the story of provision is made where the will of God is known. Elijah, uh, uh, First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was in the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, from whom I stand, shall there not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook chariot that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook chariot that was before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. So he had a hamburger in the morning, and a hamburger in the evening, and he drank from the brooks. He had seltzer water. Praise God. Amen. And it came past, watch this. So in other words, the instruction you follow determines the outcome of your life. Provision is made where the will of God is known. He just got done prophesying a three and a half year famine. He did. And he goes on to say this. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook chair before the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while the brook dried up because there had been no rain. So watch this. He needs an instruction. Here comes the instruction. Number eight. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there before I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. 
So provision is made where the will of God is known. So he arose and went to Zarephath and he came to the gate of the city. Behold, a widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I might drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not but a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel, and a little cruise and oil. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that we may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Remember this. The instruction you follow determines the outcome of your life. The man of God gave her an instruction for sustaining He didn't say, give me all of it. He just said, make me a a cake first. Why? Because God has to have a seed from you to get a harvest to you. So listen, all these quotes that I'm quoting are based upon biblical principles. And Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first and bring it to me and after make for thee and thy son. For thus says the Lord... The barrel meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil, until the day the Lord sendeth upon rain upon the earth. How many years was it? Three and a half years. It was a sustaining miracle for three and a half years. Every time she went to the barrel, put one cup in there, it multiplied. Went and poured some oil, it multiplied. Put a cup in there. Every time she went for three and a half years, it was a sustaining miracle. Why is that? Provision is made where the will of God is known. Amen. You say amen. All right. Here you go, Jeff. Thank you. So you have to understand that it is the will of God for us to prosper. Tithes and offerings belong to God and not the people who brought them. Tithes and offerings belong to God. It's a covenant based upon the blood of Jesus. If we keep covenant God, God keeps covenant with us. God never fails on the covenant. We fall short. If we fall short, then we can repent and be back in right in covenant with God. But it doesn't obligate God to meet the needs. And people are crying out to God all the time. I got this need. Oh, God, I'm sick. Prayers, please. Prayers. 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 Are you in church? No. Are you tithing? No. Are you giving offerings? No. Are you reading your Bible every day? No. Are you witnessing? Soul winning? No. Are you... But God, I got a need. I got a need. I'm crying out. He should answer me because we're under grace. People don't understand grace. Grace is God's ability on your inability. Apostle Paul, Lord, take this from me. My grace is sufficient for you. What was happening to the Apostle Paul? Two things. Everywhere Paul went, two things happened. Revival or riot. Come on, hello somebody. Either he was being stoned to death or a mighty move of God was happening. Or he's being beat up or he's being attacked or something like that. Two things, revival or riot. Come on, hello somebody, amen. Yeah. He said, my grace is sufficient. What what was the grace? Watch this. It was God's ability on his ability. Why? Because everywhere he went, two things happened, revival or riot. And then he tells us there was given unto me a messenger of Satan to buffet my body, which actually became a thorn in his flesh. That's a colloquial expression, the thorn in the flesh. It's like, it's like a pain in the neck that we use today. A thorn, it wasn't sickness. Paul wasn't attacked with sickness. A thorn in the flesh. It was given unto me a messenger of Satan. What do you mean? Everywhere Paul went, two things, revival or riot. 
This demon spirit that was assigned to Paul's ministry to cause trouble for him because of the spread of the gospel, because of the mass revelation that he was getting from the word of God. Amen. Amen. So you have to understand where provision is made where the will of God is known. All right, can you say amen? Amen. 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 All right, any questions? Babe, you want to say something? It's a miracle. We just had the first miracle, folks. She didn't say one word. That was amazing. Wow. No questions about anything? Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Okay. I would want to say, because I know you're recording this, that all the examples our pastor gives us of stories for you all, uh, obviously he talks about himself, because you prefer to not talk about you. <laughs> you know, uh, how did we uh, operate the blessing of the Lord Mars, whether it was uh, God constructing us, the car, the house, etc.? The principle of these things is not uh, just financial. It's actually called honor's reward. So there's a biblical method of applying principles of honor that um, the Bible speaks will add to you financially. For example, when uh, we referenced our parents in the story, my mom and my dad uh, suggested that we go do something. And many times in life, we miss instructions from the Lord. Um, because people are so humble, they'll make it a suggestion. Mm, let me just say that Pastor and I make a lot of suggestions, but they're not really suggestions. We're trying not to offend people. Or if I say food for thought, that's just to help you receive it. But it's not food for thought. Okay, but I'll never... Could you maybe repeat it twice right before you say it? suggestions of our board board members, our pastor, our parents happen to be uh, people that we, we can work under, not everybody you can submit to your parent. Um, so they suggested, and our answer uh, was truthful from our heart, but biblically inaccurate. And so we all need tweaking in our thinking. I said, Mom, I don't want to go down to the Mercedes dealership and irritate them because it's not something I believe for, it's not in my budget. I don't believe that this is going to work out for our budget. And so she let it go, but she said it again. And when she said it again, this was my exact response to her. On your word, I'll go. Does that sound like a scripture anybody recognizes? Mm -hmm. When Jesus told Peter, go back out and let down your net. When he said, I fished all night, he said, on your word. So I said, just because you said so, and to go down there and embarrass myself, annoy the Mercedes guy, anybody ever left the car dealership in under five to nine hours, you know, pack a lunch, and um, so that worked out because my parents made a suggestion that we do that, and it's called honor's reward. So there are things that can come to you in life when the Lord speaks to you through authority, mentorship, people. Think for a second that it's possibly your thoughts that need tweaking instead of theirs. Mm. And, and you don't have to always have a thus say the Lord, fall out the spirit, have pastor rub your head bald. To hear a simple suggestion 
and honor that and investigate that because God always works in the still, small voice. Mm -hmm. So I would say listen for the honor's reward in every story he tells you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yes, ma'am. Question or comment? It's probably more like a comment. Uh, Elisha in that story, he he came up against lack, mm-hmm. like maybe what two times, three times, because he did move a couple mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So when he came up against lack, he must have asked the Lord because the Lord told him something. Mm-hmm. Either that or he just listened to the Lord all the time. I don't know. But I just find that interesting. Of like sometimes we just think, oh, it's going to be smooth sailing. I got the word of the Lord. Oh. But then maybe you come against lack and you need to go back to the Lord again, right? Yeah, and absolutely. Story, do I need to adjust something? Uh-huh. Do I need to relocate or whatever? You know, you know it, it reminds me because when we went to Ramah, you know, I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to get a job or do you want me to continue with our business? So I gave my business away for a guy that worked for me and took our carpet cleaning equipment and carpet repair because the Lord said, what's your armor? So we've been tried and true for 12, 13 years in the cleaning industry, okay? So we knew how to do it. I mean, when we moved up there, like the first two weeks after settling into the apartment, I made a 1,000 flyers up, and me and the boys and Marie during the day, because I didn't have a job, we went out and passed out a 1,000 flyers on a 1,000 doors, okay? And all of a sudden, man, we picked right up where we left off. It was four or $5,000 that next month. But I didn't realize, one thing I didn't realize was up north, Everybody gets their carpet clean because the winter, because they come shut in and they don't want hoses running out the front door. Because when it hit November and December, it tanked, the income tanked. Okay, and then you start to question, oh my gosh, man of faith and power. Praise God, everything went from five grand a month to zero, and we were at zero. So you, you, you start to struggle and all that kind of stuff I mean, because of what you maybe don't know. The only thing what we did was, is in that struggle, it wasn't that we didn't want to work. There was no work to have, be had. And I had to remember that God said, go and take your armor with you. So we put on the praise cure. Instead of complaining and murmuring and wondering where our next meal was going to come from. And the boys ate because they went to public school and they were on the lunch program. So they at least had breakfast and lunch. Okay, and then there was one particular day after school, it was like, man, only one can of tomato soup, and the rent's due, and the, the school payment's due, and the electric bill's due. I mean, everything is due. And then, matter of fact, we were like three days away before eviction notices would show up on our door. So we decided to go down to the local, you know, food bank, and we're standing in line, and one of the requirements is you've got to sit in a class and hear the gospel, before they pass out, <laughs> before they pass out, give you a box of food. So I'm standing in the line, and we're inching forward, inching forward, and we're about halfway down. And I said, this is not God. Get in the truck. Let's go. And we left. You remember? <laughs> yeah. This is not God. She, she said, okay, babe. That's all she said. Okay, babe. So we got in the truck, and when the next day happened, then I got that phone call after class. And this is what happened. If you don't know the story, this is what happened. I, uh, a couple of months earlier, I did a job for someone, and they called me and they said, "Can you run a cable underneath the door threshold?" And I said, "Sure." How much do you charge? I said, "Ten bucks." They're like, "We're not going. I don't want to pay you ten bucks." I said, "I can do it for five. They said, "No, I want to give you twenty-five." And then all of a sudden, it went to sixty-five and seventy-five, and all of a sudden, I had like a couple thousand dollars, you know, within a short period of time, and came home and we paid everything up and all that kind of stuff. And this this couple gave me their gas card for two years, filled up my gas truck. 
And, and, and once a week, we were able to go down to the benevolence ministry, and they filled up our truck every, every week for two solid years. That happened. And then out of the whole two years, we only made two Rama payments. Somebody else paid. Her grandmother paid. That was a miracle in itself right there. I mean, right, Mel? I mean, that was a... <laughs> so provision is made where the will of God is known. And I guess maybe sometimes you might find yourself in a position to see what kind of response God... Maybe God wants to see what kind of response. It's not that he put you in that position. Come on, hello, somebody. You just kind of, through life, fell into that position. And he wants to know how you're going to respond or how you're going to react. Amen. Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you, if you want to really prosper financially, you get, there's a, several things you're going to do. One, go back to school and get a degree so you can present that to your boss. Because to, in today's society, they're wanting master's degrees, they're wanting bachelor's degrees, and along with that will come a pay raise. Tammy, you're a nurse. How long have you been a nurse? Twelve years. Okay, so you've come to LCU. You got your. You got. A, you got your. What, what degrees do you have with LCU? I have um, masters in theology. Okay. And in okay. So when you took that to your boss, they looked at it. What did they say to you? I got a huge raise with the when I went to the bachelor's. Okay, so it wasn't in the medical field. It was just that they wanted to see that you had a bachelor's from an accredited university. Is that correct? And when, because they saw that, they were like, okay, we're going to bump you. So that's how you get a pay raise. That's one way to get a pay raise if you want to stick with a job. Or you have to have a business. I'm, I'm going to sit here and tell you that God just, you know, throws down acorn, $100 bill seed, and you can go in the backyard and plant it. And all of a sudden, you wait six months and a tree grows up and you go out there and pick out $100 bills. If you want to increase financially, like, like Brother Donnie, 72 years old, he's increased financially. I mean, come on, it doesn't matter. I'm 53, he's 72. Hello, don't tell me you can't prosper. And God has blessed that man. Come on, hello. And he's got a business. He's got a long business, pressure washing business. And he sows seeds. He gives. He's a giver. He's mo- most of the time he comes. He's like one of the first ones to get here. He opens it up. and He's all by himself in the house of God. <laughs> Praise God. He's here. Amen. I'm sure he probably walks in here and talks to God too. I don't even know he does that or not. But he's got a key. So there you go. He can come anytime he wants to. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So you're going to either you're going to have to increase your education, or you're going to have to increase your skill set, or you're going to have to start a business if you're going to if you want to prosper. Financially, you're going to have to, you, you're going to, have to do a lot. That's where preachers have failed the body of Christ when it comes to biblical finances. They haven't told them. They've given the impression, if you just give, God's about to bring you out, to bring you in. God will bring you in to the land of milk and honey. Laney. So I think it's a falsity. I think it's wrong. I think the preachers should tell the truth. Hello. If you want to prosper, you've got to put your hand to something. Can you say amen? And then you'll prosper. And you've got to stick it out. Even if you don't like your boss, if God's got you there, you've got to stick it out. Hello? I'm sure Elijah didn't like there was a famine. He just prophesied himself into a famine because it included himself in that. Hello? Like open up mouth, insert foot. Oh, by the way, God, you're going to take care of me too? <laughs> amen? Well, the ravens are coming. I'm going to say that right now. Amen. The flap, flap. <laughs> flap, flap. That's all you got to say. Lord, the ravens are coming. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right. I would say, for summary, that the principle of the table says, 
power meets movement, Elijah was on his way to the destination every time right. he wanted to end. So God cannot steer a parked car. So if you're right. in, the, in the white water rapids, it's very easy when you come up against something for God to give you an instruction, paddles down on the left, paddles up, paddles in on the right. You're moving forward rapidly. So when God said go to Ramah, People want to know every plan. Well, God, I'd like a two-year day planner. He's not interested in your personal preferences. Mm -hmm. And basically, because you want that, I like that too, and he doesn't need to do that. So he's always going to give you the next instruction, but it's not in your sitting. It's in your movements. You're obeying A, and you will get instruction B, but not when you're processing and praying about A. So power meets movement in your life. And if you notice, Elijah went from one place... And had an assignment at another place. Elijah didn't walk around in the wilderness figuring out, I just don't understand why things aren't working out. I haven't found the church yet. I haven't found this yet. I'm just not really sure how long has it been. Well, it's been about eight months. I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on my men. I can't tell you how many Ramah students have never left Tulsa, Jerusalem. Hello? Or they're waiting on their ministry. No, it's, you know, you've got to take it sometimes. You've got to... You've got to jump over the troop and run through the wall. Hello, somebody. The violent, go on, take it by force. No, you've got to put your hand to something and you've got to go do something. If you want to prosper financially, you just have to do that. God's hand will be on it. Yes, ma'am. Um, as uh, parents, we're kind of watching Amy go through some stuff. It's interesting. But um, when the Lord called her to go to Ramah, I was, had these like criteria that I would And and so I was waiting for my criteria before I pushed her out of the nest. And the Lord, I had to go to Pastor Jack and Pastor Marie, and I'm like, "Uh, this is, what's going on? And, you know, I think I said, Pastor Marie, is that me just being a mama? And she's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that being said, the Lord had an apartment and a job for her, and we were behind the Lord because I was holding things up. Well, out, now she's out there, and uh, she got this job as a head cashier. But she's never been a head cashier. She's nowhere near it. But I'm like, okay, Amy, I don't understand it. I already figured that part out. Uh, but God must think you can do it. He's already trained you to be a social worker, so maybe he's going to train you more about managing people with social work. So it's been, it's been a ride. She's on a ride. But I know the Lord's just like putting into her so much right now, but it's not that fun. I guess that was my, my point is mm-hmm. sometimes we think God's I got God's provision, everything's gonna be awesome, and you run into like it's work. Mm-hmm. It's work, you know, and it's not that fun. Mm-hmm. But still God's provision there, taking mm-hmm. care of her. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Pastor Marie and I did learn and still are learning is that life itself, from the time you get up in the morning and from the time you go to bed, is a classroom. And you have to discover in that day what God wants to teach you. And how you react and how you respond is whether you pass the test and you enter to the rest, hello, or don't pass the test and then take the test over. I mean, that's just the way it works. Go ahead. Um, I've been learning recently that that verse that... um, the Bible talks about where the blessings of the Lord makes rich and add to sorrow. A lot of people look at riches and they're like, well, that's not the blessing of the Lord. Exactly. The blessing of the Lord adds new sorrow. I'm working, honestly, I don't know how I'm working, more hours, harder than I've ever worked in my life, but it feels I'm the happiest I've ever been because I'm writing God's book. You can work and toil 
Yes. And you can feel so drained yeah. being out of God's will and just working your fingers to bone for nothing in this world just beating you down. Or, you know, but I'm, when, you, when you sit there and you just put it on paper side by side, absolutely. how am I doing this much work? How am I getting all this done? And how am I so happy? And I'm not tired. It's like, because you can be physically tired, but be in a rest. Being in God's perfect will and then doing what he's told you to do is a rest. You, the Bible says you labor to enter into rest. When you are in God's perfect will and he's leading you down the financial path, it will, you know, like, like Ms. April said, it's work. But when God has you working at something and you know you're in God's perfect will, it doesn't beat you up. It elevates you into a rest. So that's, that's how you know you're, what you're, work, you're working on with. When you know you're in God's will, you'll have peace and joy. But don't mistake peace and joy for relief. Because sometimes people make a decision and like, oh, I'm relieved. I got peace and joy. No, 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 no. Peace and joy is in the midst of circumstances, whether it's good or bad. Relief is like, okay, I'm done. I've made my decision. I'm moving on. Oh, happy day. Okay. You may be totally out of the will of God. Just because you got relief doesn't mean you don't have peace and joy. Because remember, Romans 15, 13 says you have peace and joy in believing. So when you're in faith of something, you will have peace and joy. How about this one too? There'll be peace and joy with everyone else around you too. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I have nine board members in my ministry. And all of a sudden, I say, I want to do this. And all nine board members go, well, we just... We just don't write. We just don't. Well, I want to do it now. I just. Well, I feel like I want to do it now. And all nine board members are like, "Well, it's not that you couldn't do it, but we just think that the timing is." So if I go ahead and pull the trigger and do it, who's probably out of the will of God? Me or my nine board members who are all in agreement for me not to do it? Amen. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. amen. That boy's stubborn right there. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, it's part of the. It's part of the accountability. It's part of the check and balances. Watch this. I go to my board because their hearts are for me and they have no hidden motives. So you can't go wrong if somebody's heart is for you and wants you to succeed and they're not having a hidden motive to try to use you, abuse you, or see what they can get out of you. So you can't go wrong with godly counsel. But most people want to bypass godly counsel because they don't want to know what they have to say. Because they may not say something totally opposite. Or you, they tell you something you may not like. <laughs> what are you going to tell me what to do? Okay. Yeah. Peace and joy. Peace and joy. Follow peace and joy. Check with counsel. Check Because here's the deal. If you get off the path of God, you get off the path, and you wear over here, you're going to wander all over here. And it's going to waste a bunch of time. Guess what? You don't get to jump back over here. You got to go all the way back to where you got off. <laughs> Hello? Because if God told you to do something and you hadn't done it and you got all over here and you're all this time is going by and all that kind of stuff, why, why would God bring you all the way back to here? Because from the time that you were gone, what He wanted to teach you was right along here. So you got to go all the way back and you got to learn all, everything that He wanted you to learn through the situations and circumstances that you're facing in life. We've had to do it. Amen. That's what's called a fresh start. Amen. Yeah. Amen. A new beginning. I don't believe in second chances. I believe in new beginnings. Fresh starts, new beginnings. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right. Well, we love you.